welcome to Psycho Cinematic, a new podcast where myself and special guests discuss depictions of mental illness and disability in popular movies and TV shows. I'm your host, Steph Fanasia, and I'm a psychologist who works with young people in schools, and I've worked in disability for many, many years. I'm a lover of film and TV, who isn't? Uh, but I've always got a few things to say about how media likes to portray my field. So I decided to create a podcast to talk about it. Before we start, a short disclaimer. While I am a practicing psychologist, this podcast is not designed to be therapeutic, prescriptive, or constitute a formal diagnosis for any listener, nor the characters we are talking about. I am not representative of all psychologists, and my opinion is just that, one opinion. Also, while I do have a little bit of lived experience of anxiety and depression, for the most part, I'm only commenting on my understanding of illnesses, symptoms, and disabilities based on what I've learned and read. Myself and my co-hosts in no way feel we have the final say on any character portrayal, and we may get it wrong, and I invite you to let us know if we do. It's my intention to start discussions with this podcast and for it to evolve over time, so please give us any feedback you have. And now on with the show. I also have here my co-host for this episode, Michael Watson. Thank you very much for joining me on my first episode. Thanks for having me. Would you like to tell me about yourself? Um, yeah, so I'm a, currently a medical student um, with an interest in psychiatry. Uh, and I also have a film and television degree from a few years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I've got sort of an interest in both film, TV and mental illness. Very good. Yeah, so I'm kind of your perfect first guest, yes. I suppose. <laughs> Fancy that. <laughs> um, and uh, full disclosure, we are also married to each other um, and we have a little baby boy. Yeah. Yeah. Four months old. Yeah. So, yeah, we are taking time out, out of our busy parenting schedule to bring you this podcast. When I was coming up with this podcast idea, I kind of wanted to come up with a bit of a test, like the Bechtel test. But it's actually harder than it sounds. So I thought we could just sort of discuss and I have a bit of a structure of things that, that I think is worth talking about. So the sort of things that I want to discuss with movies and TV shows depicting a mental illness or a disability. Firstly, I guess, is it played by someone with a lived experience of the diagnosis? Obviously, that's not going to be easy because if it's a mental illness, there's still quite a bit of a stigma. So there's not many actors who will actually... Ad- you know, if they do play a psychopath, they're not going to admit that they're a psychopath, for example. That's an extreme example. But like in terms of disability, there's definitely uh, a bit of a dearth of actors with disabilities on our screen. So, yeah, I, I think that's something worth addressing. The other, I guess, three other things I want to look at is how accurate is the portrayal of the disability or mental illness? And also how stereotypical is it? So it might be quite accurate, but it might look exactly like what you would expect with no sort of nuances. And I guess lastly, is it a harmful depiction or is it a helpful depiction? Which I think is a really important thing. Um, People with, including ourselves with mental illnesses or disabilities, want to be seen on screen. So if it's a harmful depiction, then that's not a good thing. 
Does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Michael? Yes. It sounds excellent. So what is the first film that we're going to look at? Well, I think we should start with a very topical film at the moment being Joker. Mm. <laughs> um, starring Joaquin Phoenix and directed by Todd Phillips. You'll be familiar with Todd's work with such gems as Road Trip. Nice. Your favourite movie of all time. <laughs> um, old School, which I don't think – actually, I don't think so. I've seen either of those movies. No, I haven't. <laughs> Starsky and Hutch was another one. The Hangover Trilogy, which is probably his biggest claim to fame. Oh, and that favourite wonderful movie, Borat, as well. He did Borat. Right. So now he's turning his hand to the comic book yeah, film. That's right. A different film than the others that he has directed. Mm. Okay, so let's start with a bit of a recap of the film and the plot of the film. And help me out, Michael, if I digress too much. So it's about Arthur Fleck, who lives in Gotham City, who is, which is depicted as this very bleak, very poverty-stricken, rich, very rich, poor, very poor, lots of crime town, as we all know from the Batman movies. He's a bit of an outcast. He's, he plays a clown and he's an aspiring comedian. We also find out he suffers from a medical disorder that causes him to laugh at inappropriate times. Um, and he goes to a social worker to gain medication. But later on in the film, due to a series of cuts, he does not have access to this medication anymore. And his social worker can no longer see him. Uh, a few, I guess, series of unfortunate events happens to him. He gets beat up by a group of young delinquents. As a result, he acquires a gun from a co-worker and then the gun falls out of his pocket while he's performing in front of some kids in the hospital and he's then fired. So he's got no job. And he then beats up and ends up killing three uh, yuppies on a train who all work for Wayne Enterprises who had targeted him on the train. It transpires that his father maybe Thomas Wayne of Wayne Industries um, his mum believes that Arthur Fleck is their illeg illegitimate son but when confronting Thomas Wayne he tells him that his mum is delusional and not his biological mother which is proven to be the case when Arthur visits Arkham State Hospital where all the baddies end up he then kills his mum once he finds that out there's also a backstory of him starting to be in a relationship with a neighbour who we then later find out it was all in his head. And then the final murder is that of good old Bobby D's character, Murray. What's his last name? I can't remember. Who is a talk show host. He, he wishes he was his father. So he ends up killing him on live TV as he sort of shares a message of how disenfranchised it is to be someone in Gotham City who is one of the, I guess, 99%, not the 1%. Yeah. yeah. So basically he, um, without his medications, he has, and, and with this sort of unspecified mental illness, he goes sort of on the downward spiral into madness mm -hmm. with a violent sort of killing spree, I guess. Yeah. That culminates in, uh, I guess, the underclass of Gotham rallying ar around him in sort of a Occupy New York or <laughs> anonymous sort of a way. Yeah. The last, very last scene is him in the psychiatric ward of Arkham. So was it in his head or was it real? Mm. So that's the recap in a nutshell. Is there anything I missed? 
No. I, no that's everything. <laughs> I guess a lot goes on in the movie and uh, it gets a little bit convoluted and we see a lot of it through Arthur's eyes too. So it's kind of perhaps a little bit of the the unreliable narrator and sometimes as well, like what is real, what isn't real, as we find out with, say, the girlfriend not being actually his girlfriend. So... I guess the first question to ask is how accurate the film is. And even before that, like before we, I guess before we go through what I've sort of decided as our discussion points is figuring out what the actual mental health depiction is. I guess we won't really convey the exact diagnosis he would have um, apart from the disorder causing him to laugh at inappropriate times. And did you know anything about this in your psychiatry training um, so far? Well, it's... The, the sort of uncontrollable laughter is something that I've come across more in my aged care studies because oh. it's uh, something typical of some late-stage dementias mm-hmm. where people get um, pseudobulbar effect or emotional incontinence, which causes <laughs> them to laugh or cry at the drop of a hat for seemingly inappropriately. It's not something that I've seen in my um, brief time in the psychiatric unit. And give yourself time, I guess, <laughs> if you go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so laughing inappropriately isn't really a DSM diagnosis. We see at the very start he's talking to a social worker who's giving him his medications for some reason. Maybe in Gotham social workers can dispense medication. Yeah, that's not something that's accurate, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it's sort of implied that he's on a range of presumably antidepressants, antipsychotics, maybe some sedatives, Valium or something. Because they say, like, he's on seven medications, right? Yeah. Because he asks her for his medication to be increased and she's like, well, you're on seven medications. I don't know what you want me to do. And my first thought with that is, why is he on seven medications and what are they actually doing? And maybe that's too many. Yeah. uh, If they're not actually helping as well. Definitely. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And it's amazing if he's on these medications, it's amazing that he's not fat and asleep and <laughs> yeah, drooling. And <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I think they're implying that he has some sort of maybe psychotic disorder or some severe depression or maybe some sort of bipolar type thing, but it's never really explained. And do you think that the, the pseudobulba effect, is that how you say it? Yes. Is more of a symptom than an actual like one diagnosis? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's like a marker of more a neurological problem than Mm -hmm. a psychiatric problem. Mm. Um, So I guess the the problem that we're honing in on is that we're not really given a diagnosis of what he has. The only thing we really see is that he has this uncontrollable weird laughter. And And he kills people. (laughs) Yeah, and so we're, we're sort of meant to believe that his mental illness is inappropriate laughter yeah well that's the only thing that kind of actually reference mm. as, a, as a diagnosis um I've, I've done a little bit of research um in like psychiatrists views of what the mental illness in joker is portrayed as um and there's actually quite a few articles but i'll just reference one or two one is dr imani walker who's a medical director of gateways hospital and mental health center in la there's a an article on the 22nd of um, October this year, who felt that um, he's probably a psychopath in the movie. And because 
he's not very likable, I guess, in the movie. He's not doesn't have many friends, not very socially appropriate. Whereas a sociopath is someone who can be very likable, and she references Ted Bundy, who is very much everyone's example of a sociopath. But she also f- suggested that he has bipolar disorder type 1, with most recent episode being manic and quite severe with psychotic features. Uh, and as a, I guess as an aside, he has the pseudobulbar effect. And there was another article in the, in the Sydney Morning Herald in, on the 26th of October by Dr. Cameron Ahmed, who suggests also, I guess, the fact that he doesn't have any empathy for his victims. Probably, he's probably thinking psychopathy as well and narcissism um, because he craves that attention and adulation by any means necessary, even to the point of killing people. What do you think about those, <laughs> Michael? Yeah, that's pretty heavy. I think that that last formulation is probably um, on the money, really. Yeah, so a mix of various things. Various things. <laughs> and I guess it suggests more of a personality disorder than a- any sort of run-of-the-mill depression, anxiety. Um, not that they're necessarily run-of-the-mill, but um, quite significant disorders. Mm. Which makes sense because he's quite dangerous by the end of the film. Personally, <laughs> as a psychologist, um, I'm kind of just knowing that we know that he had a traumatic backstory and we find out that his mum didn't protect him from abuse from his mum's partner when he was younger. I'd say he's probably got complex trauma due to that abuse and neglect as a child. Maybe that abuse caused some brain injury, which might explain the pseudobulbar effect. And what I know about complex trauma, what we're still discovering is that can be an underlying factor for lots of personality disorders and attachment disorders as well. So yeah, to me, probably narcissistic personality disorder, psychopathology would be probably an appropriate diagnosis if I was a psychologist in the film, but probably based from complex developmental trauma. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but not something that should take seven medications to manage and just like a social worker who basically doesn't seem to want to do any actual therapy. Yeah. I don't know, I kind of disagree maybe. I think that there's there's got to be some sort of diagnosis other than obviously trauma is the, the bedrock on, on which it all rests. That's but... like my, my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, there's got to be some sort of mania, psychosis, or something happening. Yeah. How would he end up on all those medications? And I guess there's no medication for trauma. No, that is true. <laughs> there's only medications that deal with the symptoms. And yeah, I guess we do see that he's pretty much hallucinating a relationship too. Mm. So there's definitely some psychosis there. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> we can agree, even if we don't completely agree. <sighs> So I guess going back to if it's played, like now we've kind of got a bit of an idea of what diagnosis they were attempting to portray, whether it's played by someone with a lived experience of the disorder. And I guess what do we know about Joaquin? Well, I mean, (laughs) fortunately he um, hasn't found himself in the position where his uh, mental health has deteriorated to the point that he's shooting people at random. Thank goodness. Um, uh, But, yeah, no, I I have read that he, uh, he has struggled with alcoholism mm-hmm. um has in every actor 
that's unfair. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's a that's a that's a pretty nasty condition, obviously. Um, and perhaps he could uh, tap into that experience of feeling out of control at rock bottom. And mm. while it's obviously not probably not the same intensity as what we see in Joker, I reckon he could he had a foundation to um, you know to kind of yeah he could access that place yeah. I think. And I I haven't really read any anything else. Um, although there was an article talking about his mental health in relation to that time where he he seemed to be quite unhinged before that movie. I'm I'm still here. I yeah, think it was I'm not here, or I'm still. I think it's I'm still here. Yeah, where he like appeared on some talk shows and he just seemed really not well. Um, and it sounds like it was all a big um promotion for the film and mm. it was all acting but he, he obviously can really access very dark places within his career and I guess we this again the the difficulty with answering this question is not everyone's going to share their story with mental illness yeah it's surprisingly hard to to google an actor's name plus mental, mental illness, illness. <laughs> and, and you don't get um you know their psychiatrist notes for... damn it <laughs> but yeah I guess that's all we can kind of say on that. But going back to the accuracy of the mental illness portrayed and I guess all the things around that, I don't know, how accurate do you think it was in portraying what you know about psychopathy and perhaps narcissistic personality disorder? Uh, I don't really think it is all that accurate. I think it was kind of a cartoonish Mm. look at just sort of somebody's imagined idea of what mental illness looks like or severe mental illness. And I don't know, the fact is that people with these illnesses are more likely to be victims of violence rather than perpetrators. That's true. Although we did see that he was a victim of violence early on in the film. It's true, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's particularly accurate. I don't think he hits any criteria for a spe- specific DSM diagnosis, which is kind of the gold standard of psychiatry yeah um I guess it's hard to actually go I I didn't want to go through the actual DSM because we're still tossing around a few different diagnoses here always go through the DSM (laughs) well but if it was a real person yes (laughs) um but I guess there are some glimpses into some of that grandiose ideas um you know thinking he's is going to be a great um stand-up comedian but actually not being at all good at it some of the hallucinations and, uh, yeah, some of the traits of being a narcissist were, were definitely there, um, mm. but some of the extremes of it as well. Because what we do, if we're looking at narcissists, narcissistic personality disorder, it's more common and more hidden than we realise. It's only as we get to know people that we might notice their narcissistic traits, um, but this is very extreme. And in terms of psychopathic behaviour, well, we do know that... They are more likely to engage in violence, and he is doing that. But, um, yeah, it's it's a bit harder to identify the accuracy. But I'm kind of with you. I feel like it was a very cartoonish, overblown depiction of mental illness mm. in general. And I guess one thing I really found interesting with the film is, obviously, Gotham's a, in trying times, and his social worker does say to him, the government has stopped funding this pro- program. And says something like, "People don't care about you and me," which is, which was an interesting way to to track because while 
I don't think it's probably very accurate that social services and medication services would just be cut like that. It did ring a little bit true for me in that there's still not a lot of focus on people with mental illness as opposed to other things going on in the world. Yeah, no, I agree. It's probably one of one of the good things the movie has done is, yeah, point out that mental illness isn't all that sexy and um, no government's going to score points off throwing heaps of cash at mental illness. Mm. They're going to score points off throwing cash at kids with cancer and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think it did p- depict that very well in that it's a hidden epidemic and the government maybe tries to give it lip service but doesn't actually do anything that actually changes it or makes it more me- makes mental health services more accessible. Yeah, and mental illnesses don't really fit the category of of normal physical illnesses where like you get it, you get treated, you're either cured or you kind of stabilize. Yeah. Mental illnesses will uh, often for life. Mm. Um and people are often very disabled for decades and uh yeah that that raises issues with um you know programs and and funding and that sort of thing because they're so they're so uh, long term. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Let's go to the next question I want to pose, which is how stereotypical is the portrayal of the mental illness? What are your thoughts first, Michael? Um, I I mean I think it just goes back to that. Um, it's just that sort of pantomime men- mental illness. It's not really like a specific mm. illness. Um. But, uh, yeah, what, 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 what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, we, we've talked about it being cartoonish and it is based on a cartoon. So oh. <laughs> now, that we, now that I think about it that way, I feel like it's, it's pretty stereotypical in that when we, think, when we think of a psychopath or when we think of a narcissist, we do think of someone doing bad things, evil things. Well, stereotypically when you look at it. So, yeah, I did think it was. I thought, think also his portrayal. Like, he's really skinny, he's very awkward-looking, he's got a weird gait, um, he's a creeper, like, he stalks the pretend girlfriend to her workplace, um, has really bad social skills. I feel like that was all to portray, like, this guy is mentally ill, you wouldn't want to meet this guy because you'd be creeped out by him, which I find really quite, I don't know, I don't like it. It feels icky. Mm-hmm. It's like mental illness if you have one you can tell because you look a bit weird yeah totally it really reinforces the stigma and you know if you were to say to somebody oh I see a psychologist I have issues with depression if they if their only experience with mental illness is what they see in the in Joker <laughs> hopefully <obviously> not <laughs> gross oversimplification but are they going to look at somebody with depression or anxiety and be like, oh, whoa, is this person going to shoot me for no reason? Yeah, like, exactly. Hmm. And I know we're talking some pretty heavy mental illness, but again, again, I think a real lack of responsibility on the film is actually not mentioning what mental illness he has because anyone could watch this movie and go, oh, he has mental illness. Oh, that must be why he kills and does all these terrible things. Mm. That means everyone with mental illness can, can do these terrible things. Yeah. Um, that's a very oversimplified way of looking at it, but yeah, it, li- it literally could mean anything. Uh, also, one thing I noticed is that he can't spell <laughs> or write, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't depict a mental illness, that depicts a learning disability. <laughs> so 
it also I didn't really like how that's like oh he's so mentally ill he can't write words having said that though knowing what I know about complex developmental trauma it can actually impact cognitive abilities and we do know he has the psychobulbar pseudobulbar effect so maybe he does have some you know some cognitive issues or some brain injury but I just found it a little on the nose that he couldn't that he couldn't um, spell. I just mm. thought that was a bit much. Yeah. 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 Good point. Mm. So, yeah, I do. Yeah. I guess we've kind of answered that question. So I guess finally, looking back at the film, is it a helpful depiction or is it a harmful depiction? I think we know the answer to this question. Harmful. Why do you think it's harmful, Michael? Um, well, like my, my perspective is that it, it, just reinforces the stigma of mental illness and makes people think that you have a mental illness, therefore you're dangerous. I'm at risk when you're around, mm. um, which is just simply not true. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Do you have more? Oh, more I've, to add? I've got <laughs> I've got many more opinions. Mm. Um, I mean, it is nice to see the words mental illness being used mm. in a a comic book movie. It's not often. I don't. I can't actually think of a time where it's been used, really. Can yeah. you? <laughs> well, um, the last Marvel movie you watched was probably Spider-Man. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Tobey Maguire. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe one day I'll watch a Marvel movie and be able to, <laughs> to say that more equivocally. Um, but I do think that there's lots of messages in the film that are harmful. For example... Mental illness and relationships, the fact that the when we've very on the nosedly <laughs> were revealed that, oh, the girlfriend wasn't real, he made it up, she actually doesn't know him. It's like, oh, of course, someone as mentally ill as him couldn't initiate or maintain a relationship, right? That really annoyed me because there's yeah. people with mental illnesses everywhere in relationships. It's, yeah doesn't mean you're not capable of having a relationship. And I guess further to that is his relationship with his mum. Yeah. Which is, like, creepy and involves <laughs> nudity. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, we're sort of um, give, given this story, you know, I guess it kind of plays into the stereotype that any psychopathology comes back to your parents. Yes. And if you're crazy... Well, quote, that's unquote, true. Though. Then you'll probably have sort of a pseudo sexual relationship with your mum or that something. That is hundred percent true. Yes, and also that creepy. You know, if you don't have a dad, even though this is kind of beyond mental illness, but if you don't have a dad, you also have a kind of creepy obsession with a father figure who's mm. on TV. Yeah, but oh, we've all got dad issues. <laughs> also, I I also just on that reveal of his girlfriend. This is probably. Um, sort of digressing, but if you didn't pick up that no smart woman would be cool with the fact that a man followed them all the way to work and then you're, then that woman is fine with actually dating him, then I don't know what to tell you. There was obviously, it was so obvious that that wasn't a real relationship. Yeah, and... the, the reveal of her, that all those scenes being fake with like flashing back. Uh to the same shots without her in it. That was the tackiest thing I've ever seen. Can I say that it was on the nose? You may not say <laughs> that. You get one per podcast. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Another thing I didn't really think was helpful was the depiction of the social worker or therapist in the film. And I always have a problem with this in films. The depiction of psychologists, therapists in films is often shockingly inaccurate and terrible. Like in this one, it seemed like the social worker just didn't have any positive affect at all. She didn't really seem to give a shit. Mm. Apart from at the end where she's like, you know, no one cares about us. Uh, it's obviously it's it's a different place it's a fictional universe it's obviously wasn't very resourced in the first place but like they're the people that are supposed to help and it's very much a depiction of they're not actually helpful at all and that's not helpful for people with mental illness to be hearing how do you think um you know clinicians like that should be portrayed in movies um with care like she just didn't seem to care like Mm. One of the biggest things you're told as a therapist is to have unconditional positive regard. And if you can't have that, then that's very difficult to develop a relationship with your client or patient. Um, And there was none of that. Mm. Uh, She seemed bored. He seemed not particularly finding any value in it. Just wanting to to hear how he was actually going. It didn't seem that way at all. Do you think that um, Joker could have been saved by uh, a better social worker? <laughs> well, <laughs> that also puts the onus on another unhelpful depiction would be putting the onus on a social worker or psychologist to save the Joker. Mm. I think there's a lot of things there that led him down that path and not having a supportive social worker was just one of them. Mm. Um, may not have saved him having a a more helpful one, given all the other stuff that happened in the movie. But maybe, maybe, Mm. we'll see. A good (laughs) social worker would have been there and stopped him from getting mugged. That's true. Yeah. That's that's definitely an appropriate thing to do as a social worker is to stalk your patient so they don't (laughs) get into trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of other harmful things. Uh, The message is that people with mental illness are not to be believed. Um, Mm. For example when his mother believed that he was Thomas's Wayne, Thomas Wayne's son. When he approaches Thomas, uh, he says, oh, your mum's crazy. She's, you know, committed. Nothing she says is, is true. And that's not a very helpful depiction as well. Mm. But I think the biggest problem with this film and the most harmful thing that could come out of it and maybe even has is that mental illness equals you kill people. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a stereotype that, that needs to die. <laughs> um, like, at worst, if you go off your meds, you do a Kanye and release a Christian rock album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. His time might be coming. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like, it's not just the fact that he went off his meds. That can be seen as if you go off your meds, you kill people. Mm. And the fact that society drives you to kill people as well. There's plenty of disenfranchised, mentally ill, unmedicated people out there with similar issues who have not killed people. Yes. (laughs) Many, many out there. So I find that really unhelpful. I mean, it's pretty offensive, really. Yeah. I I said this earlier. But people with mental illnesses are more likely to be victims of violence rather than perpetrators. So to, to yeah, make this link between mental illness and violence is not helpful, reinforces stigma. It's just a nasty stereotype that needs to die. Please kill it, not people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I guess one 
thing to ask before we finish is were there any good things in the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything we liked about the portrayal of mental illness? I I hated this movie. (laughs) Uh, And from the point of view of this podcast, there's nothing I can really say (laughs) that's good about it. I thought Joaquin did a pretty good performance, but that's not within the scope of this this little chat so but we can still talk about it I think you I think you have some things you'd like to say (laughs) um only I I didn't mind that quote that he's that he writes badly because apparently he also has dyslexia that the worst part of having a mental illness is that people to expect you to behave as if you don't and I come across that a lot in my work um particularly with disabilities as well is that we still place the same expectations on someone who functionally can't doesn't have the skills or the abilities that that we expect them to have. So I thought that was a powerful quote and maybe that could have some helpful things come out of it. Yeah. But that's literally like five seconds of the film. <laughs> no, I, I, I take your point and I think that is a good thing that they say. However, <laughs> I would counter that by saying that are they suggesting that the way that Joker acts is the way that somebody with a mental illness acts when they're acting as if they do have a mental illness. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so I know what you're saying. is that how people with mental illnesses act when they're not pretending they don't have a mental illness? That's a very good question. That's and a I fucking disagree. terrible <laughs> thing to be putting out there. <laughs> that is true, yeah. I mean, aside from that, there wasn't a lot. Apart from the fact that, hey, mental illness is mentioned, I think it's actually pretty irresponsible and there's not a lot of good stuff that's going to come out of the film and I think there was a lot of speculation and fear when they came out that it might incite some riots Mm. Um, I can't quote anything directly but I'm not so worried about riots but I (laughs) I am worried that this is going to perpetuate a stereotype that is just not helpful yeah well it'll make people more scared of people with mental illnesses which is not what Definitely not what we should be doing. Mm. Yeah. So. Overall assessment. (laughs) (laughs) How does it rate overall played by someone with a lived experience? We don't know that for sure. No, but I I think it scores points. Joaquin has obviously had had his issues and I think it's fair to say that he can tap into that sort of thing. Yeah. To to play this role. He was probably the perfect person to play it. He did such a good job of it. Um, That's unfair to Jared Leto. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so so sorry, Jared. How accurate? Uh, Probably hard to tell because we don't actually know the formal diagnosis, but there are some inaccuracies. Um, How stereotypical is it? Pretty stereotypical. And harmful versus helpful? Pretty harmful. Harmful as they come. Harmful as they come. Harmful as they come. (laughs) So I I guess out of five stars, what would five, you give it? Five. Um, we should come up with five a thing. DSMs. Five DSMs. I love it. Um, I don't know, uh, half. Uh, yeah, half a DSM. Half a DSM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, for that one quote that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even that doesn't really warrant a full half. Okay. Fuck you, Todd Phillips. Well, Todd, maybe you should stick to the the uh, comedy frat boy yeah, era. Yeah, make, make the fourth Hangover film that people have been begging for. Come on, we're waiting. God. All right. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we did 
episode down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe. I plan to get episodes out monthly or bi-monthly. Um, and if you'd like to share your own opinions or disagree with what we've said here today or, like, mention anything that I've missed, I'm sure there's so much that we missed, please join the Instagram page, which is Psychocinematic Podcast. All one word. That's a mouthful. Say that 50 times. Um, you dickhead. <laughs> thank you, Michael, for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we might see you uh, again next time, perhaps. Yes, well, we're not allowed to have anybody on our house. (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, thanks very much. Catch us later.